0: This is the way, following Jesus through Luke, episode 2. As episode 1 ended, the angel Gabriel, as you remember, has told Mary that although she isn't married and has not been with a man, she will have a child, and not just any child, but the promised child, the Messiah, Christ, the King, the true Son of God the one who is to restore Israel and who would reign forever. Gabriel even tells her that her much older cousin, Elizabeth, is childless no more. And while Elizabeth and Zechariah struggle to believe their good news, Mary responds to the news she has heard from Gabriel with this simple yet profound statement of faith. I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. I think this is not just a statement of submission, but a statement of faith that God is again at work in his world. A statement of faith that God is finally doing what he has always promised he would do. And for an Israelite, this is the big thing. Have you ever learned something that just had to share with someone it's burning inside of you get it to get outside to get out for some of you it may be news like Elizabeth that after years of trying you are finally with child for some new new for some it's news that the treatment has worked and you're healthy again For some, it's news that you got that job you always dreamed of. For some, it's watching your team finally win the big games. For some, it's watching your child succeed. You got to share it with someone, but just not anyone. So what would you say? Who would you tell And how would you react to such exciting and amazing news? Grab your phone and send a text, maybe a picture with it, put it on Facebook, call a friend, or maybe just say a quiet prayer of Thanksgiving. Maybe jump up and down and dance a little dance that you don't want anyone to see. Or maybe give a sigh of relief and quietly reflect on the significance of it all. Let it soak in and enjoy the moment. Let's look and see what Mary and Elizabeth do with their amazing news, beginning in Luke 1, verse 39. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be Accomplished. And then, Mary said,
1: My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. <clears throat> she begins describing that her inner being, her very core, is praising God. And why? I think the hint is in the title she ascribes to him the Savior, the one who saves me. Let's add our voices together with hers, calling on our entire being to celebrate the Savior. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices
2: in God. My Savior, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God. Sing that again. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit. Fy the Lord with me come exalt. the Lord with me. Come exalt
1: his name forever. Mary continues. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on all generations will call me blessed. I wonder if she's reflecting on what the angel said to her. You have found favor with God. Let's take a moment to marvel that the same God who created the entire cosmos is mindful of me and of you.
2: Who am I? But But because because of what what you've you've done Not because of what I've done But because of who you are I am a flower quickly fading Here today and gone tomorrow A wave tossed in the ocean A vapor in the wind still you Hear me when I'm calling Lord, you catch me when I'm falling, and you told me
1: who I am, I am yours. Mary continues, for the mighty one has done great things for me, holy is his name. I wonder how is this line true for you this morning? Take a moment and call to mind great things that God has done for you.
2: My soul, my soul, magnifies the Lord. My soul magnifies the Lord. Because he has done great things. My soul, my soul, magnifies the Lord, my soul, magnifies the Lord. He has done great things for me,
1: great things for me. She continues, His mercy extends to those who fear Him from generation to generation. So who is this God and what's he like? How does Mary know him? Mary knows him as a God of mercy. Is that how you would describe him? In what ways have you found him to be a God of mercy?
2: Oh, cleanser of the mess I made, Your boundless love for me portray With patience for my learning curve, my holding back.
1: To our fathers. All those promises he made to Abraham, to Moses, and to the people of Israel long ago, he remembered, she said. He remembered. Our God is faithful to keep his promises. This God has helped us before, he is helping us now, and he will help us forward.
2: Had it not been the Lord who was on our side Had it not been the Lord who was on our side The anger of the enemy would have swallowed us alive Had it not been the Lord who was on our side Blessed be the Lord who would not give us up blessed be
0: The late Charles Coulson, who was a former presidential advisor, spent time in prison for his part in the Watergate cover-up of the early 70s, became a Christian, wrote several books, one in which he titled, Who Speaks for God? One of my favorite authors, uh, Irish theologian Peter Rawlins, wrote a book he entitled, How Not to Speak for God. To say a word for God in the midst of difficult times is and has always been a daunting and intimidating task, and with the events of this past week that have impacted so many in this church community, I can tell you that Ryan and I have really struggled, as he mentioned, with what to say this morning. Especially in the context of this text of incredible praise and worship and hope. While I would never, ever want these things to happen, the events of this past week, the fear of losing Jaikin, the reality of the unexpected passing of Amy, and so many other things that I know so many of you have experienced in the last week or two I think actually though do give us exactly the right context in which to view this text unlike us Mary, Zechariah and Joseph and, Zach, and, and Elizabeth they don't know the rest of the story They speak their songs of faith and praise actually from a dark time. God uses these voices of people who are not the powerful, not the wealthy, who actually probably are living on the very margins of society. Mary, for sure, is a voice of a young woman probably in her teens, probably living near the poverty line of her day. One, as Brian told us last week, as a young woman is not respected at all in her culture. Yet these are the voices that he uses and the voices that know what they hope for has not yet come. We've been reminded this week that though we believe that the kingdom has begun to come, is coming and will come, it is not yet fully come and will not until King Jesus comes again. And so we are reminded that we live in the meantime and sometimes it's a mean time. We live in real time not knowing exactly how things will turn out. I can assure you that Tuesday morning, Brian and Carrie had no idea that by the end of the day, they would be sitting in an ICU unit, begging God for the life of their son. Nor did Roger even begin to imagine as his week began that by the end of the week, he would be planning the memorial service of his sweet wife. I think that sometimes as we live here, and especially most of us in southwest Amarillo, we can feel somewhat insulated from the realities of the brokenness of the world. We watch the nightly news, and we see darkness and evil and brokenness play out in places like Ukraine and Myanmar and Afghanistan and Syria and maybe West Chicago or the east side of LA and maybe even the north side of Amarillo but it's here breaking into our worlds as well. We experience this reality not just in Jake and Amy's stories of this week but many of you in this gathering have experienced it as well in your own lives over the last few weeks, you feel the darkness, you feel the fear, you feel the brokenness. Some, as you have feared for your kids and your grandkids and what they're going through. Some, as you struggle in your own marriage. Some, as you got bad news from the doctor. Maybe some of you, as you wrestle with The increasing dementia of a beloved spouse or parent. Maybe some of you, as you exist through another day at a dead end job, and maybe some as you've wondered how you'll make ends meet at the end of another month. How do we celebrate in real time? How do we live with joy and praise in the meantime? I think like Mary and Zechariah, we do so only with a hope and a promise. A hope that it is true. It is coming. God has not forgotten. God still loves this world. He, he has, is, and will fix what is broken by sin and death. The author Kyle referred to James Ryan Smith that wrote that series so many of us are being blessed by. He defined Christian hope as being certain of a good future. You know, most of us hope our favorite team will win. And if you're a tech fan or a UT fan or a cowboy fan, you know that kind of hope is not what James is talking about. <laughs> we hope, but we are far from certain. <laughs> The Apostle Paul in 1 Thessalonians wrote, We do not grieve as some who have no hope. I truly, I don't know how people get through these kinds of things who have no Christian hope or don't have a community of hope that supports them in the midst of it. In a podcast I was listening to by James Bryan Smith, he talks about, about something that an author, John Sazoulis, wrote that I really liked, a metaphor he gives us. He said, Christians are people that have their roots in the future and their branches in the present. That is true and only true because of the work of Christ. And that is how we can live in the present well, because we are certain of a good future. Living rooted in that future nourishes well our present life. And so as we live in the midst of our time, in real time and sometimes a mean time, we profess our faith, our faith that's rooted in a good future, a future that Paul says is there because we have been raised with Christ. And we express it, I think, and can express it through the words of the song of Zechariah. As he puts those words up there, I want to invite you now to read those words with me. He will give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God. By which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into a path of peace. The writer of Hebrews admonished his readers to always be ready to give an answer for the hope that is within you. May we live this week in the reality of a dark and broken world, but with such hope that others might ask. And may we answer well. Today, maybe you need to ask. You're struggling. There are people around this room I would love to share the hope that's within them with you. There's people sitting next to you who could do that. I had a wonderful conversation this morning with Carol Horn. I told her, you ought to preach this morning, not me. (laughs) Because it was a beautiful confession of hope that she shared. If we can do that this morning, we'd love to. If there's other things you're wrestling with, if we can just pray with you or answer that question, won't you come?